This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. According to Wikipedia, lawfare is the use of legal systems and institutions to damage or delegitimize an opponent or to deter an individual's usage of their legal rights. Could a reasonable argument be made that South Africa is using lawfare to hinder Israel's war against Hamas? Advocate Farron Cantor wrote a brilliant piece in the Business Day entitled More Disinformation Spreads as South Africa Accuses Israel of Defying the ICJ Order. Now, the ICJ has taken up a lot of this year, <laughs> and I'm delighted to have Advocate Cantor as my guest now to talk us through what has actually happened. Advocate, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me. Thank you very much, Cherise. To take your definition further, what lawfare involves is using the court for strategic political purposes. But I was very interested by the what some of the things the journalists that you pre just interviewed were saying as she was highlighting the role of activism in journalism and she particularly made a statement where she referred to news inspiring change. Now that is highly relevant when one looks at lawfare. And when one looks at it in the context of what, how, what South Africa has just um, done at the ICJ, one can see that lawfare, the use of lawfare, the use of the courts for your own uh, for your political motive is absolutely critically dependent on the journalists that you have in your pocket effectively to spread the message that you want as a litigator out into the world. And we saw that very clearly in the case where South Africa accused Israel of genocide. When one has regard to the allegations made during the case, one sees that South Africa had a message that they wanted the world to know. They wanted, to know, well, they wanted the world to know that since 1948, Palestinians have been under oppression and they had an agenda that they brought to the ICJ. And that agenda was very quickly spread worldwide by journalists who also supported this particular agenda. And by doing that, one uses the court as a tool of propaganda effectively. So the, t the court is a tool of propaganda, okay? We, we saw that happening at the first the, the, when South Africa lodged a case on the 29th, okay? There was great anxiety amongst Jews, and as somebody said, it felt like the Jewish world was once again being put on trial. Did you have that sense as well? Yes. 100%. You had these 15 judges from all different nations who work within their own political systems, their own legal systems with varying... Um, principles, varying ways of judging matters, and they were there in addition to the Israeli and South African ad hoc judges, they were there to judge the Jewish nation effectively. And the one judge, the Ugandan judge, had a, what do you call it, a different view to everybody else, but the majority went along with the fact that Will you explain exactly what was found and how it's been misinterpreted? Yes, well, the, the Ugandan judge was, was very brave. And interestingly, she's now been made the new vice president of the ICJ. Yes, so when one looks at what was actually ordered, 
there was a lot of press stating that the court had ordered a ceasefire. Now, one has to bear in mind that that is what South Africa was really out to obtain. It was it wanted to stop um, Israel's military operation, which, when one analyzes it, is effectively stating Israel has no right to defense, and let's stop one one side to the the war and leave the other side to carry on. And it did not obtain that relief. And that relief, no doubt, was the only valuable relief that it sought. So rather than set out what it did obtain, it started a press campaign stating that it obtained a ceasefire. And not only that, it went further to say that Israel is in breach of the ceasefire. Let's just talk about the genocide, okay? Because Israel was accused of genocide. What did the court actually say? And what is South Africa saying what the court said? The court made absolutely no findings on genocide. The court was not called upon to determine whether Israel was in breach of the genocide convention. It was only called upon to determine whether South Africa had a right to rely on the Genocide Convention to bring Israel before the court. So there were no factual findings and no findings on the merits and no findings that it was in breach. However, South Africa interpreted that to mean, well, if the court ordered that South Africa must comply with the Genocide Convention, this must mean that they were committing genocide. And it doesn't mean that. In fact, the order, it granted, deviates slightly from the actual genocide convention. The order was Israel must do everything within its power to prevent genocide, which is very different to Israel must desist from committing genocide. So we can say, without doubt that Israel is not at this stage, has not been found to be committing genocide. Without doubt. And that, that is universally accepted by the, me, the, by, the, the by legal by fraternity. The legal fraternity. Okay, so who, it's universally accepted by the legal fraternity. Where it hasn't been uh, accepted is by the journalistic fraternity and by our government. Okay, correct. Because our government then went back to the court, I think, was it two, three weeks ago? It was only, it was in fact last week. Sure, time is like uh, illusionary, illusionary at the moment. So what did our government then go back to the court to ask for? So our government, no doubt, wanted to put the focus on the RAFA offensive. So it went to court, well, it, didn't, it didn't actually proceed, it requested by, by virtue of a letter further emergency measures, which it didn't actually specify. It left the option open, but it was clear that the measures were in relation to the rougher offensive and that it wanted a, to prevent Israel from proceeding. Right. And this was outright refused. Okay, so, um, and it went in because Rafa is, is where we, where Israel is next planning to go and where Israel I imagine believes some of the hostages are. Correct. And where we 
Israel also believes that um, Hamas is still has a stronghold. Correct. So it used the ICJ once again to set out its accusations of genocide, and you may, uh, it's notable that the, their letter of request was based on two serious misrepresentations. One, they used the hostage rescue to call it an unprecedented assault. Okay. And the second was to decontextualize a statement made by Netanyahu where he said that he, the intention is to create a plan prior to entering Rafa. They interpreted that also as evidence, and I'm paraphrasing, that Israel is commit, about to commit genocide. Huh. Okay, so we know now that South Africa is acting le less in a political manner. Okay, it's not using the law for its legal interest, it's using it for political interest. And from what you're saying, we can also say that South Africa is acting in particularly bad faith. Yes. Yes, it seems to have no qualms about using the court in this manner and then using the media to distort what it achieved in court. I mean, you say that the, the court rejected out of hand the, the, that Israel was committing genocide and that it would not call for an immediate ceasefire. Yet, did you see how, it was, uh, um, how the government tried to spin that? Yes, there was a media statement released that stated that ICJ ordered an injunction. Now, an injunction is, a, is an interdict. It's a it is an order preventing Israel from acting. Now, perhaps they used it to imply that the original order preventing, uh, where Israel was ordered to prevent genocide is a form of an injunction. Well, that may be. But the impression it sought to give was that a new injunction was ordered. So you're lucky, Advocate Kant, because you understand the law and you have an interest in international law specifically. But for the layperson, we have to take our government at face value. Yes, and when one reads articles by, and sometimes very highly acclaimed journalists, one, one believes it. One believes that the editors have investigated and only pub is publishing information that is true and in the public interest. And, and sometimes you can't help that certain journalists, and I won't all tell them all with the same brush, but kind of felt that Israel was doing, uh, was committing a genocide even before Israel went in, and this just kind of proves them correct. Well, and it started right at the beginning because South Africa it, itself, it, it admits in its uh, founding papers and it, it argued this that the genocide that Israel is committing is based on a continuum that started in 1948 right and this is the rhetoric it started with in fact it's it's hard to digest this but on the 7th of October itself a press release was issued not condemning what Hamas was doing but stating that, but justifying it on the basis of what the Palestinians had been through. And this was before war was declared. So one sees very clearly where they are going. Advocate Cantor, my heart skipped a beat earlier this week when I saw South Africa was back 
in front of the ICJ. Now, the case that they were at or talking about has nothing to do with their original case. Can you explain exactly what, what where that case is and what it is? Yes, so the, the ICJ has two functions. The one is to determine disputes between states, but the second is to give advisory opinions. So it is in the process of giving an advisory opinion on the legal consequences arising from policies and practices of Israel in the occupied Palestinian territory, including East Jerusalem. Now already within that investigation, one already sees the question itself is presented in a biased highly, manner. In a biased manner. Problematic manner. Can in we call pro- it problematic? In a, in a problematic manner. So it is, this stems out of a resolution that was taken at the end of 2022 by the UN General Assembly to conduct this investigation and produce an advisory opinion. What is interesting is the timing, because at that particular timing, there was no war. And it seems rather fortuitous that they have set this down with the war as the background. As the background. Yeah. And South Africa did not hesitate to use its opportunity at the hearing to slam Israel again for genocide since 1948. And then... Yeah, South Africans' comments were actually quite ambiguous and disturbing and disturbing and unclear and seem to actually be kind of out of step from their stated two-state solution policy yes they spoke about its desire for a two-state solution and but then also spoke about the need then all the refugees all five million of them should be allowed a right of return but the real point is this had nothing to do with what the ICJ has been commissioned to in, to investigate. It just set out what... Okay, so we can see that lawfare is a tool, a propaganda tool, right? Do you feel that the ICJ is allowing itself to be used or do you think it is a, a, um, a legitimate body? That is a difficult question. Because on the face of it, it's a legitimate body. It is set was set up legitimately. Its legitimate its aims are legitimate. Its aim is to to inf- um, produce judgments that are in the interest of peace, national, global peace and security. However, the ICJ is a judicial arm of the United Nations. And the United Nations itself has got a highly biased history against, of taking resolutions against Israel. In fact, UN Watch did a study that since 2015, I think the figures are that Israel was condemned 140 times, but the rest of the world in that same time was condemned 64 times. Right. I mean, how is this even possible? Which gives you an, a, a very clear indication as to of where we're at. Um, Erika Kanter, I saw Israel said that they're not taking this latest discussion seriously at all. They're not, um, not discussing this latest case. But do you think Israel will hand out a report that it was asked to do by the ICJ for the South African case? I do. 
I think that they don't have much choice. Okay. The, <laughs> the w- there is an order to that effect. And even though, strictly speaking, could be argued that it's not enforceable, it is a requirement that it, would be, it wouldn't be sensible not to produce that report. I take it you were glued to your television when Israel presented its case at the I was. ICG. Were you impressed with its case? I was. Me too. I was. I was. And I was also, even though they only produced a small um, five-page document stating that it will not participate in this current hearing, its reason was that the court is not supposed to be used for this purpose and that it needs to resolve its issues in a political manner. Which is fair comment. Yes. In fact, I think both of you and I can agree that South Africa could have played a meaningful role in this conflict in terms of bringing about peace, but rather chose not to do so and instead parrot Hamas. Yes, that's... And I think we can both agree, and you probably express it better, that South Africa has achieved nothing thus far in its lawfare case other than to demonize Israel. Correct. The only achievement it could have had, which would have benefited the Palestinians, would have been to obtain an order suspending Israel's military operation. But that was never going to happen. So now what it is left with is a case against Israel for genocide, which is going to take years and years and years to prosecute. Advocate Cantor, um, thank you so much. That went so quickly. It did. But I'd like to be back again when the ICJ next meets or or when the South African government next does something legal. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was Advocate Farron Cantor, and she has written extensively on South Africa's uh, ICJ rulings and subsequent pronouncements.